And really the whole point of what I want to say is that God can take things that are ordinary and do extraordinary things with it. Now that's probably not a new message. Uh, you probably have heard that many times before. But what I encourage us to do is to think about that in terms of ourselves, okay? Probably at some point or other, you have considered yourself very ordinary. Um, and the things that you can do and the things that you're able to do are very ordinary. But have we ever considered that God gave us what we would consider ordinary for, for Him, again, to use to do extraordinary things? And I want to talk to you this morning about a lady in the Bible that many of you probably know. Uh, she has two names mentioned here in the Bible. Uh, she's mentioned as Tabitha and also as Dorcas. And today we're going to call her Dorcas. And her name means gazelle. I think that's pretty cool. Her name means gazelle. So let's look at our scripture this morning. Acts chapter 9. Begin with verse number 36, Acts chapter 9, beginning with verse 36. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And forasmuch as Lydda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping, and shewing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, and turning him to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. And it was known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. Amen. So here we have Tabitha or Dorcas. Now I'm going to call her Dorcas. So that's, that's going to be her name this morning. Uh, we're going to call her Dorcas. And she was an ordinary person. She did ordinary things. But it, God used it in an extraordinary way. And a miracle was performed in her life that was certainly uh, out of the ordinary. Now, this took place in Joppa, and just to give you a frame of reference here, Joppa is about 35 miles outside of Jerusalem, and Joppa is the seaport that Solomon used to bring in the timbers that were used to build the temple. And this is also the same place where Jonah ran to to catch a boat to Tarshish. So here we have Dorcas living here in Joppa, and we don't really know that much or really anything about what Dorcas said, but we know a whole lot about what she did. She was a servant, and she lived her life, I guess we'll say, uh, loudly. Her servanthood spoke loudly. Now, it seems like nowadays we've got a lot of people who are full of words, a lot of people who say a lot of things and, and, 
and have a lot of words to, to share, but are we losing people who are willing to not talk so much, but willing to do good works? Works like this, this lady in this town did. Um, are we willing to give lip service? Are we willing to talk a lot? But are, are we less willing to let God use us to do, like we talked last week, those good works that He prepared in advance for us to do? Uh, the co- a lot of biblical commentators believe that Dorcas was either a widow or that she was single because it doesn't mention a man in her life. But I want to take a moment here and, and say this too, that women were accorded special status by Jesus. There were a lot of women that accompanied Jesus on his journeys. Um, the, a lot of women were financial contributors. Uh, they stayed a lot. There were women that stayed with Jesus when he hung on the cross. Uh, women were the first to see or evidence the resurrection. And in the New Testament, women were instrumental in spreading the gospel globally around the world. And you don't have to go far in the New Testament, especially, I think, in Romans 16, where it mentions a lot of women, a lot of different women who were instrumental in the ministry. So women are very important to Jesus. And the church said, Amen. We're going to look at this one woman, though. We're going to look at just three things, three simple things about her life. And we're going to see how her life is really not that much different than ours. Her abilities are not that much different than ours. But will we allow God to use us in the way that she allowed God to use her? Now, the first thing I want to point to is that she is called in Scripture a disciple. She is a devoted disciple. And that, what's a disciple? A disciple is, who does a disciple follow in Scripture? Jesus Christ. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. And Dorcas is the only woman in the New Testament that is explicitly identified as a disciple. Uh, Mary wasn't mentioned as a disciple. Martha wasn't mentioned as a disciple. Priscilla wasn't mentioned as a disciple. But Dorcas was. And she was a very faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And she was so devoted that disciple was really the only description that could define her. And a, a disciple, by, by definition, is a learner. Uh, a disciple follows someone and is determined to be like that someone that they are following. So you could say a disciple is a student who follows a teacher. And Scripture has something to say about that. In Luke chapter 6, a student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. And we are disciples, and we are followers of Christ. And I think we would probably agree that the greatest compliment that anybody could pay any of us would be to say, you're just like Jesus. Or I can tell you're a follower of Jesus. Or I can tell that you love Jesus. And I believe that could be said of Dorcas. I think she had a heart of compassion. And I think she learned how to have a heart of compassion because it's the same kind of heart that Jesus had. In Matthew chapter 9, it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So she was a devoted disciple. 
I see many devoted disciples as I look out in this sanctuary today. But not only was she a devoted disciple, she was also a doer of good deeds. A doer of good deeds. The needs of people not only moved her, but she moved in response to the needs that she saw. The, what she saw moved her like, oh, that, that touches my heart. But she didn't stop there. She moved in response to what she saw. And she served people because of her Savior. She served people because she knew Jesus. That was her identity. She was saved to serve. And that could be said of each of us that know Jesus as our Savior. We've been saved to serve Him. And so she was a devoted disciple that did good deeds. And she was quick to respond when there was a need that she could meet. She saw a need and she jumped right on it. And she used her gifts and she used her abilities to further the kingdom of God. And you have gifts and you have abilities. Everybody in here does. I know sometimes we, we throw that humble uh, phrase out there, I can't do much. I can't do anything. And I'll throw this right back at you, this little phrase that comes up every so often. Little is much when God is in it. Amen? Little is much when God is in it. Always. So the Bible says in the Scripture that we just read that she was, she was always doing good deeds. Uh, she was full of good works. And it was her habit to always abound and overflow with good deeds. It was her holy habit to do those things. I want to read from you from Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, which means that we're going to have opportunity, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So it doesn't say, let's just do good for each other in the family of believers, but we should be especially good to one another because we're family. And family treats family well. Amen? We treat each other well. But as you have the opportunity, do good to all people. And that was what Dorcas lived by. She wanted to do good to others. She wanted to help where help was needed. She reminds me a lot of the woman that we read about in 1 Timothy chapter 2, where it says, I want women to dress modestly. I could say a lot about that, but what I want to point to in that verse is this. I also want women to dress modestly with good deeds. Dress modestly with good deeds. And it is what she did, and it was how she lived her life that made her beautiful. It was her fruit of compassion that made her a beautiful person. She didn't do anything heroic, nothing that would be considered, especially by today's standards, as heroic. She didn't do anything heroic like Deborah. She didn't do anything risky like Rahab, if you know those women. She simply served her Savior. She was saved to serve. And she did it by ministering to the marginalized people, ministering to the people who needed stuff, who needed help, 
who needed her help. She ministered to them. And she was a devoted disciple who did good deeds. And she did them quietly, sacrificially, and unassumingly. She didn't put out the billboard that said, I'm going to help you today. <laughs> she didn't do that. But, if she, but her actions spoke just as loudly as a neon sign would. And here's, here's what I can say about our church here today. I see that in our church as well. I see people that aren't doing things to be seen or to get a pat on the back, but they're doing things because they see a need and they have a way to meet that need. And so they do those things. So she was a devoted disciple. She was a doer of good deeds. As far as Christians go, it sounds kind of ordinary, doesn't it? Sounds kind of like, you know, what we're all supposed to be doing. But the last thing I want to say about her is that she helped the hurting. She helped the hurting. There is not one person on this earth that is not hurting because of something. We're either hurting physically, we're hurting emotionally, we're hurting spiritually. We're all hurting. But she, she honed in on one specific area because that's what God had given her the ability to do and she did it. And you know, sometimes we, we hear uh, people talk about burnout in ministry and just getting so worn out and so worn down. And I think that happens because sometimes we try to do things that we're not necessarily gifted to do. But you know, it's got to be done and there's nobody else to do it. So I might as well do that too. And what happens is the area where you're specifically gifted to serve suffers a little bit because you're stretching yourself a little bit too thin. But there are people who could take care of that need right there that are gifted, but they're just not quite ready to step into it and, and do it. But I believe that if you are ministering in an area where God has gifted you, then He will give you a supernatural ability, power, strength, gifts to be able to do what needs to be done in those areas. And I have talked to people in this church, and I have spoken, and I have said, do you need to back off? Are you doing too much? And they're like, I just, I just come alive when I do it. And that's, that right there is, is what Dorcas did. When she did what she did, she came alive, and, and, it, and it was, it, God blessed it, and it made a difference in the church at Joppa what Dorcas did. So, she had a heart to help those that were hurting. She had a heart to help those that were hopeless. And one group of people that you could say were hurting and hopeless in Joppa at that time would be the widows. And for the widows to be taken care of, it was usually their families or the church that took care of the widows in those days. Uh, it tells us in verse 36, help, it talks about helping the poor. And in verse 39, what we read, we see that she was a seamstress. She was handy with a needle and thread. And you know, having at, at some points in my life, having tried to sew a button on a shirt that popped off for one reason or another, we won't talk about what that reason is, I understand that there is a gift to be able to sew. And it is not a gift that I have. As a matter of fact, uh, in, in fourth grade, was it fourth grade? Fifth grade. 
I'm getting old, it's hard to remember, fifth grade, we were talking about the colonial times and we had different groups that we had to be in and we did different crafts in these different groups and we did rotations and, and we were supposed to build a crib out of, out of cardboard and I had no problem with that. But then after that, we had to take the crib to the next section and we had to sew a pillow to put in the crib. And I wasn't having any of that, so I grabbed a stapler and I stapled my pillow all the way around. That's, that's my gift as far as sewing goes. Just Let's just staple it. That's not a bad idea, really, is it? Does anybody think that's a good idea? Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So let's keep going. She was a seamstress, and she made clothing, uh, and and and. That's what she could do, and she did it, and she did it very well. Um, and again, it reminds us of other scripture that we read in Proverbs 31. Uh, in her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. So we see this is the kind of person that Dorcas was. And here, here's the thing. Here's the principle of it. It's small things done with great love that changed this world. Small things done with great love. We could even say ordinary things done with great love changed this world. And 1 Peter 4.10 sums up the importance of serving. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So that, that verse speaks volumes. It talks about the, the, the importance of using what God has given us to serve others. And it also speaks about the diversity and the creativity of our God because He, he gives us various ways to do this. You know, some of you are good with cars. Some of you are good with construction. Some of you are good with cooking. Some of you are good with children. You know, everybody has that something. And I'll let me go the extra mile here and say that what you have is just as important as what this person has. And what that person has is just as important as what that person has. And as the church works together and uses the various gifts in administering God's grace through those gifts, then the church is strengthened and the world, the community and the world is changed. And we need to see that more in this day and time. It seems when people have a distrust and a distaste for God and the church. She had compassion. That was her unique contribution to the church at Joppa. She had compassion. And then she died. She died. But then we read that God raised her back to life, which is an amazing thing. It talks about how she got sick and died, and they washed her body and put her in an upstairs room, and then they found out that Peter was close by, so they, they sent somebody to come and get Peter. And Peter came to the upstairs room, and in that room there were widows, and they were crying, and they were mourning because this was their friend, this was Dorcas. And not just their friend, but the clothes that they wore, and not just the outer clothes, but the underclothes. And really everything that they had on, this woman had made for them. 
What a testimony. What a, what, a, what a blessing. And they were crying because her death meant not only losing a friend, but also losing a way to meet a need that they would always have. Because people are always going to need clothes. Amen? Now, all that got messed up in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and realized that they were naked and had to put clothes on. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Come back if you want to hear about it. But everybody needs clothes. Everybody needs clothes. And so they surrounded Peter, and they were showing him, look, look at what she made. She made this, and she made that, and, and what she's got on over there, she made that. And she made everything that, that they had on. She had literally clothed them. If you want to put it this way, she clothed them with compassion. She was administering grace. And here's another little neat little fact. The fact that she took each person and made something that fit them, their size, their shape, maybe their preference, shows that they were individuals and that each individual is important. And everybody needs to know that, right? We got people in this world, we got young people. Your heart goes out for the young people who are trying to decide, sadly, which pronoun to use or which sex they were really supposed to be born as. When that's already been determined before they were even born. And yet, there's no one in their life to help them and to guide them and to teach them and to show them what the truth really is. That you are an individual, that God made you the way He wanted you to be, that you are not a mistake, that you do have worth, you do have a purpose. And if you surrender that to God, then amazing things will happen. And you know what? I believe everybody that is suffering through those things we talked about earlier, if they heard that message and they took that message to heart, better yet, if they took the giver of that message to heart, Jesus Christ, then everything would be different for them. And this would be a different world. Do you believe that? I love those people. And we, all sh we should love those people. As confused as they are and as adamant as they are about the fact that they are right, just me standing in front of you and telling you I am right is not enough. But if the Word of God says that it is right, then that's enough. Because that's what God said. And what God says is right. Amen? Amen. And so she saw each one as individuals. And as Peter was brought into this situation, he no doubt remembered another situation that he was in with Jesus in Mark chapter 5 when there was a little girl that had died. You remember the story? And Jesus saw the commotion and he told everybody to go outside. And then he took Peter, James, and John with him and he went into the place and he took the little girl by the hand and he said, little girl, I say to you, get up. And Peter kind of mimicked that situation in what we see here. He, he sent them out of the room and then he got down on his knees and prayed and he turned toward Dorcas and he said, Tabitha or Dorcas, get up. And she opened her eyes and she saw Peter and she sat up. And he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called the believers and the widows and presented 
her to them alive. And that's a miracle. It's not a fairy tale. It's not, it's not something I wish they would and do it accurately, but it's not a neat little story for Disney to make a cartoon out of. But it's a real thing. It actually happened. And some people are skeptical of that, of this resurrection thing. If people have a problem with Jesus being resurrected, do you think they're going to believe that a woman named Dorcas, I mean, come on, that's kind of a weird name, isn't it? Dorcas, you're going to put that woman through torture again and bring her back to life and let everybody call her Dorcas some more? But, it's, you, know, you know, there are many instances of resurrection in Scripture. Uh, Elijah raised the son of a widow. Elisha raised the son of a Shumanite woman. Um, there was a man who was raised when his body touched Elisha's bones. Jesus raised the son of a widow. Jesus raised the daughter. Uh, he raised Lazarus. Of course, Jesus himself rose from the dead. Others rose from the dead at the resurrection of Jesus. There was the man called Eutychus who fell out of a window because he fell asleep during a sermon. He fell out of a window, fell to the ground. That's a warning. Don't fall asleep during my message. But he fell to the ground and, and, and he died. And then Paul raised him up from the dead and then he kept on preaching until the next morning. So maybe the guy knew that he was going to preach that long and he thought, I'm going to take a little nap so I can hear the end because the end's always the best, right? Well, we don't know what happened after this. Uh, we don't know what happened to Dorcas after this. I can guarantee you, though, that she didn't go on, the, she didn't go on a book signing tour. How I Was Raised from the Dead by Dorcas, a.k.a. Tabitha. No, she didn't go on a, uh, the speaking circuit and go around and, and give her, uh, talk about what happened in her life. I don't think she did that at all. I think what she did is that after she regained her strength, she went right back to the quiet, unassuming work that she had already been doing. I would think maybe she thought, well, if that's what I was doing before, it's good enough for me to keep doing it. Maybe with even more intensity and more, more gratitude. And then verse 42 says that this, this situation, it became known all over Joppa. And the greater miracle is this, that many people believed in the Lord. Many people believed in the Lord. You know, some of you uh, here, a lot of people here, excel in servanthood, doing what God has gifted you to be able to do, doing these acts of kindness just like Dorcas did. Doing things, even when other people don't see you, you find joy in being able to do that. And I'll tell you this, even on such an intimate and one-on-one -on -one level, even though other people aren't seeing it, this kind of serving breaks through cynical people and a helping hand can soften a hard heart. That's, that's what serving with compassion can do. So whether you're doing any of these things I've written here, making meals, sewing clothes, fixing cars, hanging drywall, working in the food pantry, God can use you, God can use that to point people to Christ. And that's what you're doing when you do those things. Francis of Assisi said, at all times, preach the gospel. 
when necessary, use words. Read between the lines. You get that. We've shared that before. At all times, preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. And we've all heard the saying, actions speak louder than words. But there's one thing that I, I want to mention here too before we go. And I just wonder, why was Dorcas raised from the dead when somebody like Stephen wasn't? You remember Stephen who was stoned? He was martyred for his faith. And it seems to me like so many people could have been affected and so many people's lives could have been changed if Stephen had been brought back to life. But he wasn't. But here we have this quiet woman who was raised to life in a little private upper room in Joppa. And why? She wasn't a great teacher. She wasn't uh, a, a great financial supporter of the ministry. She wasn't a miracle worker. But maybe she was raised because Christ did not want compassion to die in the church at Joppa. What do you think about that? Maybe he knew that she could do a great work by continuing to do what she had been doing. And that's what the church should be known for, compassionately caring for people in their time of need. When she died, there was a concern that maybe compassion would die as well. But he told her to get up. Peter called her name. He told Dorcas, Tabitha, to get up. And she did. And I think in those words and in what we've heard here today that God is also calling us to get up. Calling us to get up and remember that at one time as a child of God, we were dead in our trespasses and we were dead in our sins. And because we weren't saved, because we hadn't accepted Christ, we were on our way to hell, dead in our trespasses and dead in our sins. But we heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ on the cross, dying for our sins, paying the penalty for us. And the Holy Spirit worked within us, and we opened up our heart and lives to Jesus and accepted Him as our Lord and Savior, and we became saved. And as we said earlier, we've been saved to serve, to be devoted disciples and doers of good deeds and helpers of people who are hurting. I think the true measure of a church is not what is happening in here so much as what happens out, out there. James one twenty seven says this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So even though we can't do everything, and we shouldn't try because that does lead to burnout and things like that, we can't do everything, but everyone can do something. And everyone includes you, and it includes me. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 16 says this, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is, 
if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So our faith leads to action. And we can do, we can perform an action because we have been given an ability and a gift and a talent and things that we can do. Small things. Ordinary things. But when we use them, you know, again, little is much when God is in it. I wonder if Dorcas was raised because there wasn't anybody else who would wake up and take her place in the church at Joppa. Compassion was not going to die at the church in Joppa, and the Lord made sure of it. And we cannot allow compassion to die in Startown either. There are some obvious ways that we can serve here at this church. I think of uh, the ministry that we support, Highways and Hedges. And we, we, know, we hear from time to time of needs that they have. Uh, and there are people here who might think, hey, that's something I could do. Maybe I could go and help with their clothes closet, or maybe I could help them move some furniture, or maybe I could help with serving a meal. But Highways and Hedges works to be the hands and feet of Christ in this area and to partner with them and not just, not just financially, but also using our abilities. That's an opportunity for us. We are, we are forming what, is, uh, what could be called, I guess, a funeral dinner team. And we want to be a little bit more uh, fine-tuned with our, our serving the family after a death and, and offering a meal for them. So we're going to try to have teams that will rotate and help, help prepare and serve food after funeral. You could be a part of that. Volunteer to work in the children's church. Volunteer to work in the nursery. What good is it for me to work in a nursery? All I would be required to do is hold the baby, change the baby, you know, just basically babysit. But you know what? That's such a big deal to a mom who, or a guardian who has worked so hard all week and just wants to come to church and sit and worship for a while, but yet is not able to because we don't have anybody in the nursery or there's nobody there that, that is able to keep the baby. And the same works with the kids. These kids are a blessing. You know, they don't always do what they're told. They don't always listen. Kids don't always pay attention. I'm not sure any of them are paying attention right now. <laughs> but you know what? They're a blessing. And we're, we want to teach them, and we want to show them what it's like to be in church and, and to learn about God and learn about Jesus. And, and if we don't have people to fill those positions, then they're going to miss out on some of the things that you, you and I had growing up in a church. Things that we have forgotten about that we were, were so grateful for in this day and time. Provide a meal for somebody who's grieving or recovering from an illness or a surgery. Write letters of encouragement to people when they go through difficulties or difficult seasons or situations in their lives. Give financially to meet the needs of those who need assistance. Uh, and financially support missions. We've had the opportunity this past month 
to give financially to the Gideons and also to Christy, who was going on a mission trip. And you, you supported very well both of these endeavors. And I praise God for how He's using you to meet those needs. But we want to be a place here, a place full of devoted disciples who are doing good deeds and helping those that are hurting. And I want to finish with a song that Sandy learned when she was growing up as a little girl in her church. And ever so often, you know, those songs pop up in your head and you sing them. And I've heard her sing this on numerous occasions. I asked her to write down the lyrics uh, to the song. Shamgar had an ox goad. David had a sling. Dorcas had a needle. Rahab had some string. Samson had a jawbone. Aaron had a rod. Mary had some ointment. And they all were used of God. What do you have? Bow your heads, please.